0: good morning good afternoon good evening and welcome to another episode of jesus plus therapy Sis. this episode is a special episode because it was done live on our facebook If you want to see that Facebook live video, go ahead to go to our Facebook page, Jesus Plus Therapy 6, or check out our YouTube page at Jesus Plus Therapy 6. You don't want to miss this awesome conversation, but hey, enjoy this conversation here on our podcast and make sure that you like, share, subscribe, and follow us on all social media platforms and on your favorite podcast platforms for more episodes of Jesus Plus Therapy 6. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Jesus for Therapy Sis. I am one of the hosts, Chandrika Cook, and listen, I have the honor, the privilege <laughs> to have my sister, um, the awesome administrator, the awesome prophetess, midwife, minister, sister the list goes on and on she cares so much it just goes on and on and I'm so honored to have her here with me tonight as we talk about this post that kind of started this conversation that led us to this place so tell
1: us about this post first
0: of all like where did it come from
1: so the dark side of the call um it actually reminds me of 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 article or one of those long things that I used to write out. Of course, I'm a, I'm a writer. So most of my posts come off like soliloquies or a book or what have you. Um, but I wrote something years, years, years ago called what about the cruel side of God? And it was to deal realistically with some things that we feel on the inside that we're afraid to say. Uh-huh. Nobody is bold enough to say God is cruel. Um, but say for instance you lose somebody that's super, super close to you, or God doesn't answer that prayer that I mean you fasted 40 days and 40 nights for it, he still didn't do it, and you like, God, your insides, even if you don't really say it, God, that's cruel, you know. And so from the side of our calling, just some things that, you know, I'm I'm 43. Woo-hoo! I'm 43 now, getting ready to turn 44 later this year. Um, and there are some things that I just kind of started, you know, I'm starting to think some things through. Um, there's There's some self-evaluation that takes place after 40. And I started to look at this thing where there's some stuff that hasn't changed even as it relates to my calling, you know, I've been prophetess Melissa Sanders for all these years. I've been the midwife for all these years. And there are still some things that shakes up my emotions or there are still some things that's hard to uh, sit with as it relates to the prophetic, as it relates to intercession, as it relates to some of my burdens. Um, And I'm just like, God, after all these years, I've written a book about prayer. Like, shouldn't this get easier or at least shouldn't I have a, a better grip on this? And some stuff, yeah, you know, after you get the strategies and you go through all these classes and conferences and you talk to your spiritual father and your spiritual mother and this and that. Like, after all of that happens, you still have to go through your process. Mm. And the process is still uncomfortable. Right. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a whole lot. And, and that's so relatable to even when it comes to therapy, you know, people come in therapy like this my issue. This is what I got going on. Help me out. And we like, mm-hmm. no, this is a process, right? Yeah, uh, we didn't get here overnight. So this ain't go here overnight. And it's I think to call we expect that yes, that call, when we say yes to the call, that it gets a we know it's going to be hardship, but we spent a little bit of ease because we stopped running. Like, I'm not running no more, Lord, so I don't need all this heartache. I don't need all these other issues, right? Because I've surrendered. I said yes. I came to the altar. I just nodded it out. I got my deliverance, right? <laughs> and so we think, man, God, this should be so simple now, right? Because I've already been through the heartache when I was running, or when I was in denial, or when I was going through the trials. Mm-hmm. So my yes should kind of create a, a calmness um, in this. And so, yeah, what do we do when that that ain't the that ain't the end result,
1: That's right? The end result. I think um, one of the other ways that I was looking at it, and also kind of addressing it, is how differently your calling affects you based on your culture and your denomination your upbringing um of course i come up very very old school holiness and apostolic where you're kind of uh you're 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 led and ruled by an iron fist you know, in holiness, you were just kind of, you were already scared into salvation. You know, you were told about the fire and brimstone. And if you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. So we ain't even got to calling yet. We just terrified. Like, let me make sure I please God. Let me make sure I live right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when, when the calling starts to come forth, um, you know, I grew up in a certain denomination. I won't say I grew up in a certain denomination. If you know, you know, as the kids say, um, that wasn't big on the prophetic and my mom actually, and we don't, I don't talk about this a lot and I don't think she even talks about it a lot, but she shared stories with stories with me where she, God would speak through her or she would kind of almost blank out, like the Lord would take her up in visions back in the day to where she didn't even know what she said. So it wasn't, you know, my dad would kind of be like, what you had to go and say that for? (laughs) And she would have given a whole warning to this church, and then it comes to pass, and so it's like, oh, she made this happen, and you spoke this against the church. She's like, I don't even know what was said. And so she kind of, I think, shut down on on a lot of the things that she was called to which meant it fell on me and not only do i have to complete and carry out what mama didn't finish carrying out for those of you that have prophetic kids and children uh i have to fulfill and carry out my own assignment right and so Grow, I, I hate to make this a race thing, but I gotta make, I gotta be honest. Let, let me just say from my perspective, I can't speak for anybody else. Somebody else may say, well, that was my experience. You know, I had this, I had that. I can only speak for me. I have seen a lot in church. I've seen and experienced a lot in ministry. And for the typical Black Pentecostal, Black Apostolic, or Black Five Ministry. There is a lot of control. There is a lot of abuse. There is a lack of training. There is a lack of information and how to uh, proceed in your guilt, grow in your guilt, develop your guilt. And you know why? Because a lot of leaders were never trained. They did it. They, you know, as as the the, the word says, they were healed as they went. A lot of them are bruised. A lot of them are wounded. A lot of them have gone through things, you know, from uh, members or laity that has bruised them. And so there's been this domino effect where they kind of squeeze or put a clamp on your guilt because of what they experienced with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them don't know how to, articulate or how to teach or how to train you in operating in your gift, even if they are a prophet or if they're prophetic, even if they are an apostle or if they're apostolic. There's just certain ways they have not known how to rear people in their gift and in their calling. So it made the process harder than it had to be. Had I grown up in a Chuck Pierce's church who is kingdom cultured This would have been normal. I wouldn't have spent the first 30 years of my life feeling like a weirdo because it wasn't enough prophetic people, or it wasn't enough people that saw like I did, felt burdens like I did. That's a norm in their house. It's a culture in their house. And so a lot of the stuff and a lot of the processes, a lot of the warfare, a lot of the um, self-destruction and and low self-esteem, naturally and spiritually, that we have uh, endured and gone through is because of how we came up in the church, not because it's just something wrong with your guilt. So that's so amazing because of course
0: um as a therapist and as a believer, um, the the, the people that come to me the most are prophetic people, right? Wow. And I tell them, um, and because I can see the prophetic gift on them, I'm like, so why are you here, right? And then they, they <laughs> try to tell me their story. And I'm like, the reason why, I say, so if you came to a non-believer, right, that's a therapist, they will automatically characterize you as schizophrenic with some bipolar um, maybe some borderline personality disorder, right? Um, and I think a lot of times, and what I've noticed is certain, certain people who are prophetic from certain denominations, um, they have the most trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I, I've kind of like started doing a tally, like, what's your denomination? (laughs) right and so when i look at my talent i'm like this denomination is something that's going on here in this denomination right Um, because these people all have commonalities and they all came from this denomination Mm -hmm. and so when we're saying that and when we're seeing that we have to realize um how (laughs) how that looks in the natural right How that abuse kind of transcends beyond spiritual and how it transfers into the natural. So let's go back to your mom, right? That transformation, you already had your own private burden as a gifted called prophet. But because of her fear, that fear was now trans, the incompletion due to fear was now translated into your life and so now where it should have been just melissa's mantle now it's melissa's and mama's mantle along with every generation that didn't complete the mantle prior to her mm-hmm. right and so a lot of times we have to realize it's not just when we talk about these mantles right because i hear it all the time and i've heard you say like oh the mantle is gonna come upon you you may need to check was in that mantle mm. right because yes it may be a prophetic mantle but you may need to check what the generations prior didn't complete before you say yes i'll take up that mantle
1: mm. can you and listen let's let's jump to a biblical example of that david I, and Saul. yes david was like uh-uh so I was trying to put his mountain on him. David was like, "Uh uh-uh, uh um, I haven't tried these. <laughs> I'ma stick to what I know. These five smooth stones. You know, there is. Ooh, I'm gonna get in trouble, but it's in my book, so it don't matter. Um, there are some impartations that we need to know how to reject, mm, yes. and we need not be so eager." to pull on, receive, etc. Also, there are some things that even if you're called to carry that mantle, that there is some purification and some dismantling that has to take place out of that mantle, uh, Elijah and Elisha. So one of the first things, one of the, 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 the first examples that I see with uh, Elijah and Elisha is the rejection. Mm -hmm. So with all the emotionalism, we already know Elijah's situation. You know, he done ask God to die. He already on the run from Jezebel, all this stuff going on, right? And so he sent to Elisha to put his mantle on him, et cetera, et cetera. He says, consider what has been done to you today. And Elisha like, all right, let's get it. This is what I was waiting on. This is what I'm ready for. And he was like, no, go back to your phone. Go back to what you was doing, et cetera, et cetera. So what happens when the person you look up to, the person you're ready to pull from, the person that you honor, um, you're ready to submit everything to them. And the first thing you experience is rejection. So let's let's talk about
0: Elijah, because what you were saying, I was like, when did he get here from this depression?
1: That is the point. So right. Because, so how does Elisha accomplish more right. than Elijah did after he dies or after he's taken right, over? Right. and the reason why he was
0: able to accomplish it because Elisha realized I needed to heal from going back. I need to heal from this depression because here's the thing we got to hear with two ears, right? I got that rejection may not be the rejection that we think it is. Sometimes that rejection is I want you to deal with this depression. Mm-hmm. I want you to deal with the emotional side of this mantle. Mm-hmm. So i rather reject you than mm-hmm. to subject you to mm-hmm. this thing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we find ourselves feeling inadequate because of that rejection, well, sometimes that person is protecting us.
1: Or rather, God is protecting us. Right. Oh, God yeah. is protecting us, Unfortunately right? Unfortunately. Now, if that is the heart of the person, kudos to them. But that's typically not what we see, especially in the black church. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they normalize dysfunction. They normalize control. They normalize the characteristics of a cult. And so whereas uh, whatever plan God has for your life, whether it's for you to receive from this man or woman of God, um, they make you feel like you're supposed to suffer abuse mm-hmm. in order to be anointed by them.
0: So let me say this. So let's, I'm going to bring it back, but I'm going to bring it natural and bring the Spirit of God on my, okay? So therapeutic-wise, Um, If nobody tells me it's not normal and everybody has normalized it, then what you tell me, when you tell me it's not normal, I'm looking at you because I look at you as a dysfunction, not me as a dysfunction. Because if it wasn't normal, how did this happen for the last 100 years? Right. And so I think what happens is let's go back to the tradition of the black church. Right. Um, I always think of the story of my cousin told a story about his grandmother and how his grandmother would cut the ham in half and then put it in the oven. And exactly. so his mama would do it and her mama would do it. So finally, he asked, like, why y'all keep cutting that ham in half? Like, why we end up with two parts of the same ham? And so he asked his mom and his mama said, I don't know, go ask your grandma. Grandma said, I don't know, go ask your your great-grandma. So he asked his great-grandma, she said, because we couldn't afford to put the whole ham in one place, so we had to cut it in half. There were times in the church that people couldn't afford to be in a healthy place because everything around them was dysfunctional, so they function out of dysfunction. If I'm in slavery, if I'm dealing with Jim Crow, everything is dysfunctional. So I gotta conform to whatever is gonna make me feel as functionable as possible. But not, and not to say we're free from them laws, not to say we're free from that mindset as far as the dysfunction around us when we think about culture. But we have not progressed to grow and weed out some things so that we could be in a healthier place which is why the church does not condone uh, mental health right because nobody checked with those children who were getting hosed down 50 years ago and said hey baby i know you were doing this for your culture right i know you were doing this for the people i know we we anointed you we bless you are you okay
1: Mm -hmm. Nobody
0: checked to ask if they were okay. Mm -hmm. But because they didn't get checked to ask, okay, why are they checking you and asking you, you okay? Mm -hmm. Wow. And so that's, that's why we're saying, that's why we have this dysfunction in the church because nobody asked anybody prior, are you okay?
1: That's a simple question, but a deep one. There's not been an awareness or no one has paused for station identification or for uh, a, a a reevaluation to say or realize we're in a better place, we don't have to do what they did. Like you said with the great grandmother, they were poor; the ham wouldn't fit in the oven and hole. Now you got somebody still carrying on the same procedures of poverty, and y'all got. Or a double oven, huh? You can get in the oven there if you wanted to, you can do whatever you want to, but you have not even realized the progressiveness and the grace that God has given to uh, provide provision or to provide a more excellent way, as the scripture says, right? Mm-hmm. And so, we're still there as it relates to the church mm-hmm. because your forefathers. Bruised and abused you, and that's how they got the anointing out of you. Um, they they had to force people to submit, and they had to force people to do this, this, and the third. And 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 and, and they had to get the information from a man because they only had third grade educations. But you sitting mm-hmm. up here with a whole two doctorates, and you're still manhandling your people treating them like slaves. Matter of fact, they're just as educated as you. We could have a whole institute of, of prophetic training and, and kingdom and apostolic impartation, but you don't know how to utilize what God has placed in your hands because you've not taken the time to survey what God has blessed you with, what he's graced the house with. And so there are leaders who have caused people to go into silence. Mm-hmm giving up on their gifts because they think something is wrong with them. Everybody's not a Melissa. Uh-huh. I can go through a difficult process. I can be battered and bruised, but because I am so obsessed with God, Ooh. and I was so obsessed with God first before I before was a leader, before there was a spiritual father, before there was a prophet to speak in my life, I was five years old, three years old, four years old, hungering for the presence of God. So thank God for his stamp on my life. That wasn't everybody's story.
0: And it's still not everybody's story. And it's
1: still not. It, oh my mm-hmm. God, it's still not. Mm-hmm. And so whereas I have my days of, you know what I'm doing with this. Mm-hmm. I have my Jonah moments. Mm-hmm. I have my Jeremiah moments. Mm-hmm. I have my God just kill me moments. Mm-hmm. But even with the 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 complication of carrying the call, I'm still so in love with Him that I find myself still being intimate with Him, still becoming uh, impregnated by Him. Mm-hmm. There's, and then we have to understand. We don't get to divide and separate what we say yes to.
0: Mm, that part. Yeah.
1: If we could, if I could just be an intercessor in the background, wonderful. I'm not even charged to speak. I can just sit over here and pray. But because the weight and the burden and the assignment and the charge of the prophet is on me as well, I have to now sit with this thing. Okay, God, is this a, is this a prayer season? Is, do you want me to pray about this or you want me to prophesy about this? Uh, is this an apostolic season? Because that's also an apostolic grace on my life. Didn't say I was an apostle. There's also an apostolic grace on my life. So I've got to sit with what he's impregnated me with in prayer, what I have to produce and birth and release as a a prophet. And then what has to be strategized from an apostolic administrative place. Mm -hmm. So just like the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, the eyes of Melissa are everywhere. So it gets on my nerves to uh, just feel like I'm always analyzing stuff. Stuff is always under my skin. Stuff is always burdening me. Something is always, I'm just like, I'm going to be I'm going to be viewed as one of those people that's nitpicking, and you always find there's something wrong, and you always find it fault. but it's just a burden. I could be like Jeremiah said. you know what? I'm going to get in here. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to do nothing. I ain't going to whatever, and then God hooked me because I'm quiet. So it's like, God, how do we deal with the totality of all of this and, and keep me sane at the same time?
0: I think the one thing the Black church has never taught anybody who's called is balance. And I think that's the thing. What does balance look like? And so from a therapeutic perspective, dealing with someone with all of that, right? Um, Because those are all pieces. Those are all titles. Those are all um, things that you operate in. And so there has to be a balance. In all of that. So here's the thing you can be that if Melissa, Melissa, not Melissa the prophet, not the Melissa innocence, not the uh, Melissa with the apple side gift, if Melissa, mine is everywhere. If Melissa has not invested in Melissa, if Melissa has not sat down to be poured into, once you pour out, you're depleted because you literally did three jobs all at the same time. So there has to be a time where you be like, okay, God, before I do all of this assignment, all three assignments, what have I poured into that when this is poured out, I don't feel depleted. I don't feel empty. And that's where that balance comes into place. And so when when we talk about that, I think, I'm trying to think of a, a, I talked about this Mary and Martha, right? Um, I think they are the great example of what God was really wanting us to be. And what we think we should be, right? So we mm-hmm. you know Martha was the one, like, I'm a cook, I'm a clean, right? She was doing all her giftings, mm-hmm. and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, just chilling. And Martha go you're mm-hmm. like, you, did you know this our house? This 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 our house. We invited you. You ain't gonna tell her to come here and help me. And Jesus says to her, she's doing exactly. What she's supposed, she's supposed to be supposed doing, to be and so many times we think because we've been trained by church to go, 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 operate, operate, we are like Martha when we should be like Mary. That's there should delicious. be times that even in our, even in the times of movement, God gives us grace to be still. But we're so busy doing this that we miss those still moments. I don't want you to stop. <laughs> uh, we miss we miss those still moments and then we be like, well, God, where you at? You don't see me. I'm empty. I'm depleted. I'm this, I'm that. And God, like, girl, I told you to come sit down. I ain't tell you just because you know you should be doing, I ain't tell you to do it right then and there. But Let because- me
1: why that becomes complicated again from our culture, our mm-hmm. background, our experiences. When you don't have a mentor, When you don't have a spiritual father, you have to go the long way. You have to do it the hard way. Whereas you have, that's the whole purpose of forefathers. They're supposed to make the way easier for the people that's coming behind them, but most of them don't. Mm -hmm. And so now, uh, like Fran, I just uh, saw her question or her statement as it relates to... um, She says, when you filter through, you got to filter through which vein to operate from. And that alone takes time. And it's time consuming when it feels like it's time to operate, when it feels it's time to operate. So basically, you got to do life. God forbid you have a family. Mm. (laughs) I guess that's why I'm still single with no kids. God forbid you have a family. Um, let's say your launching time is approaching. So this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I started out ministry very early. Um, by the time I got started, yes, I had a spiritual father. Um, he launched and pushed and and released me where I needed to be released. Um, but then left. So mm-hmm. in that era or dispensational time, it was definitely not smiled upon for you to be operating in ministry and not have a covering. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about my spiritual father, he's very well known, very powerful. He was like the, I'm going to just say my favorite person who I talk about all the time. He was like the Nathan Simmons of the keynote. Like, they was like Nick and Nick. I mean, they traveled their ministry together, but I'll just say he was kind of like the the T.J. Of, of prophets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I've never really been under weak leaders, mm-hmm. Um, not the ones that really, really poured into me. So by the time he left, where the devil was I going to find another him? Mm-hmm. I spent the next 15 years having to figure out so if your spiritual father chooses you, do I wait on the, the next one to show up? Because this one was mine and he he had to leave, decided to leave, whatever happened, but I still got to move forward. Because of where he launched us, because of what I tapped into, basically what was already in me, because I was already functioning and operating in the rank, in the, the level of the weight that I was supposed to as it relates to my calling, which was a bit abnormal from the typical church member. So when I come under any other leader, first of all, they're intimidated by my guilt or they don't know what to do with me. One of my, my good friends told me, you know, I kind of said his church for a spell just to, to heal. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And I just want to see heal, blah, blah, blah. But he was like, Melissa, I have a congregation of people to pastor. And then there's you. <laughs> so it helped me to understand things but it's like most most pastors and most leaders pushed me away or shunned me it's like we need you we need you to operate we need you to preach we need you to prophesy we need you to lay hands but I was like you're not finna get me to do all of that and you not be able to pour into me train me answer some of these mystical questions that I have that's the part that they did not want to avail themselves to do so guess what I had to do not only was people already being assigned to my life. Not only was people already pulling and trying to glean from me, I'm still at that age trying to figure out the prophetic. At 20-some years old, I had already traveled to Japan and was already seeing visions and seeing nations and stuff that nobody could explain to me. So I did not want to train people erroneously. I didn't mind, Pori. Even at the point when I started EKG, the Lord was like, release what you know. Because I kept using the excuse when nobody's trained me. Nobody. If I had waited on somebody to help me do it right, I would still be sitting here today waiting on somebody to help me do it right. Mm -hmm. So I had to trust the hand of God. I had to trust the information that was downloaded. I had to try to just keep a purified life and trust that the Lord would filter out anything uh, from me personally, my flaws or my hurts and wounds, because I didn't want to train people or release the people based on the the pain or the abuse that had been inflicted upon me. Then I had to also swiftly ascend to a place, because I mean, y'all jokers was growing swiftly. And y'all were studiers, y'all were intellectual. So EKG was like, we started out like this and in a matter of months or a couple of years, y'all was like, and I was like, okay, God, I don't know what to do with them now. You know, it was like, I had to keep thrusting forward and I needed somebody to continue to cultivate me as a laity leader. But you can't do that when you got somebody that's just waiting on you to submit to them and do what they want you to do. So you have to go the hard way. You got to, you know, as as Fran was saying, it takes extra time that it should not take. It shouldn't take.
0: So what do you do? So let's talk about that. I feel like you're a trailblazer. I've always said that to you. And, and you know, we've, we've had that conversation. So, and as Fran says, how do you um, get to a place Uh, Of you have to lean on the Holy Spirit because as a trailblazer, there is no one who's done it. And we're looking for someone to mentor something that hasn't been done in the earth. And so I think a lot of times our frustration isn't who's going to pour into me. I think our biggest frustration is God, why did you make me the trailblazer? (laughs) And I think that's the thing we miss. We want Trailblazers can't be poured into when you're the first to blaze a trail. If you're the founder of that trail, how can somebody pour into something that they don't know of because it's something new and something God gave only you? You see, So punches? I see. But how do you trailblaze and you're not sure where where to start on the trail? So here's the thing Abraham didn't know where to go, he just walked. So that's where that faith comes into place. Abraham, literally, I think about the story until I modernize that. Think about a man who had about 60 RVs with his stuff. We, we gas the way it is, just driving. Telling the people, just drive. Well, where we going? I don't know, just drive. <laughs> well, when we gonna stop? I don't know, just drive right and so a lot of times we want to refer back to like god has given us the ability to show what we look like as tree of but it's hard for us because we are so in this generation of expectancy suddenly well god you're going to do it suddenly that's the vocabulary of the kingdom but Abraham, I literally be like, man, God, this man had all all this stuff, all these riches, left what he knew just to blaze a trail. Not knowing where he was going, not knowing what he was going to do just to blaze a trail. And I think that's the thing we have to be aware of. We're a generation of trailblazers, but we want want somebody to affirm the trail for us.
1: It depends on which generation you're a part of, though. It does. difference. That's the difference. Now, you know, everybody got something to say about a a, a 20 year old apostle or 25 year old apostle. The fact of the matter is this generation ain't finna deal with the foolishness we dealt with. I'm going to say it like it is. You know, I came up in that day where you didn't do anything without your leader's approval. These jokers nowadays is like, first of all, I can see just like you. I'm anointed just like you. That whole uh, touch not mine anointed do my prophets know harm. that ain't gonna work on this generation. They like baby. First of all, I can see further than you. I know what God anointed me to do and, and to be. They done started your why you still over there ruling and ironing and you know ruling with an iron fist. You still over there with them five members telling people what to do. And these jokers them bust out here and they got five hundred members in a year. So we're in a different day. Uh-huh. You know, um, what we waited on, they're literally just diving head first into, I think even to answer Beryl's question, you start, your trailblazing starts from the place that you give birth. Uh-huh from the, the from your from your place of travail from your place of burden number one god ain't gonna it has to it has to literally get to a place that you are refusing to obey God if it's your time and you're not accomplishing or doing what he's called you to do. So for example whether it was Jonah whether it was Jeremiah whether it was whoever they never had a problem hearing God now, one single time, the end of the Elijah, none of them ever said, well, God, I don't hear you. I don't know what to do. There was a word from the Lord that they did not want to release. So then comes the question is, has the Lord released to you something that you're just not yielded to and you're re- you're not ready to do that part yet? Or you have not come into agreement with who God has called you to be or told you to do. Normally, that's the case. Yeah
0: it's good <laughs> excuse me so let's take some questions y'all got some questions put it in the chat we definitely want to get the question yes obedience is begging a sacrifice and i think as trail places it's hard to be obedient when you're still looking for the affirmation when you're still looking for someone to affirm you because that's the generation you came from right mm-hmm. uh affirmation um um, I need to be affirmed by a leader right going back to what you said, I need to be affirmed I need to move that leader needs to release me. And so you're right we're in a generation. but I also feel like our generation is getting a revelation right like dang God I can't be here no more because now this is becoming a toxic cycle. yeah right I went from being obedient to now this is becoming toxic obedience yes. And I think of, I think a lot of times people think obedience is obedience no baby. There's a difference. <laughs> there's obedience and then there's toxic obedience. Shindrika, what is toxic obedience? Toxic, a toxic obedience is taking the traditions and the rejection obedience. and the manipulation and standing in a place of obligation and not obedience. I'm obligated to this man. I'm obligated to this woman. I'm obligated to this building. I'm obligated to this ministry. I'm obligated to this position. So now your heart's Way of serving is through obligation, not mm-hmm. obedience, not a serving, not a surrender. Right? It's out of true obligations because you don't want to talking about you. You don't want to go mm-hmm. into the back room. You you don't you don't want to be the talk of the sermon. You don't want to be the the topic. Right? You so you do it out of obligation to avoid to avoid destruction of your soul, of your spirit, of your mind, and your emotions. So now, I went from being obedient, like, God, I surrender all, and I'm hearing you, to now, God, I'm just burnt out, and I'm just obligated to this place. Because I don't want them talking about me. I don't want to hear about me in the street. I don't want to hear about me in the sermon. I don't want to hear about me in the leadership meeting. I don't want the leadership meeting to be surrounded by my ability to be obedient to God and not him and his vision. Yeah, obligation versus obedience, and we put them all together.
1: Do you remember the, the scene on the Clock Sisters movie when Twinkie um uh, said, I can't remember the exact line, but um Twinkie Maddie Mouse was pressing her desire for Twinkie to, you know, continue to stay with her and play for her, etc. Mm-hmm. And one of them was expressing the fact that you know Twinkie just wanted to obey God and her mom was pushing her agenda what have you, and so uh, I think her mom was kind of like, "I want you to obey God," or this, this, and third. And Twinkie was like, "Mama, I don't know the difference anymore." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The fact that most, again, just what I've been exposed to, black leaders, Pentecostal, Apostolic, five fold. Teach this erroneous perspective that you're supposed to hear God only through them. That's the most cultish thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Should you submit to leadership? Should you hear confirmation through your man or woman of God? Absolutely. But to tell somebody that the only vo- the 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 way that you this I'ma I'm quote what a leader specifically and consistently stated across the pulpit, and he probably still does. The only way you should hear God, or your your, your leader's voice should sound like God's. The only way you should hear God is through your leader's voice. Mm. That is demonic. And it is cultish. I don't Mm -hmm. care what anybody say. You need to be able to hear God for yourself. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a stranger they will not follow. What happens, and this is too common and it happens, what happens when leadership falls off from the will of God, from the word of God? What Mm -hmm. happens when leadership goes into some crazy, you know, off the wall belief system that is no longer biblical and is no longer following God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you're trapped in the cycle of hearing God through your leader, guess who all falls in the ditch? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: then you come to, right? (laughs) And then after you come to, you realize how broken and destructive you are, right? Um, and you realize, somebody said, I've been in a plantation of servitude." I was reading that. I said, Jesus. With our relationship with Jesus who brought me with his blood. And listen, and that's the thing. Here's the thing. Slave mentality didn't go away. Right. It didn't go away, right? right. We we 500 plus years in, and y'all, there are still triggers within us, even though we've never experienced anything close to slavery, um, as our ancestors, we still get the, here's the thing, there are certain mountains we don't get to, we don't get to denounce. Mm-hmm. There are certain matters we don't get to throw away. Mm-hmm. And I say that because we have to realize that those same, like, slave mentality are teaching moments, not principles. And we use them as principles and not teaching moments. What's I the agree. difference? The difference is when we think about slavery, and, and this is the crazy thing. There were a hundred slaves and two masters. A hundred slaves and two masters. They could have least easily escaped it My, because of their mindset. And because they have been trained to stay like dogs, like mm-hmm. how we train dogs, mm-hmm. we now see that now kind of trickle throughout how we, not just in ministry, how we do life. Yeah. We need to show our loyalty. So there's the obligation piece. I, well, I'm saying because they I need, they talk about, you know, everybody leaving them and I don't want to put them in a place of rejected because their mama just died or their daddy just died. And so I don't want them to feel rejected by me because I really do love them. Here's the thing. Love covers a multitude of sins, but it don't mean you got to stay. Yeah. Love yeah. is not loyalty. Love is not toxic.
1: Mm. That's good. And
0: I think a lot of times we're saying we love when we're really being just as toxic as the person we're trying to love. Why am I saying that, Shajika? Why you say that? Because here's the thing. You're loving not from a place of healing, but a place of obligation. So and fear. Loving. And fear. So you're loving from a slave mentality because that's what slaves did. They stayed because they fear the consequences versus being in the place of trusting God to heal. Jesus. So now we're looking at, (laughs) so now we are telling ourselves, now we got to talk ourselves into servitude. Now we got to talk ourselves into our call.
1: And you want to know where the passion went.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Now we're talking ourselves into these places, right? And because we're talking ourselves into these places, we now drown the voice of God because he can't talk us what we what we trying to talk ourselves into. Whoa. So, so that's why y'all didn't come see me. That's
1: why. <laughs> But you gotta be able to decipher these spirits. Like, first of all, let me say this. Know your word, duh. Know your word. You know how people, a lot of people get treated because they do, they may not, in themselves say I'm only hearing God through my leader. But if you don't read your Bible, that's what you're you're automatically doing because you're trusting their word to be your Bible. Yeah. When they pull from the example I just gave, um I forgot to give the 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 the, the scripture or the portion the verses that it's talking about. So Eli and Samuel. Um, so when when Samuel heard Eli's voice calling him. That's the example all the leaders use. As to, that's how you know God calling you. That's how you hear God's voice. But don't nobody go on down through the chapters and the scriptures, as the old saint said, the scriptures. Well, Eli had to pull the truth out of Samuel. Well, he knew God had spoken to him but the same scripture, the same God that was calling Samuel to heal through his leader and this, this, and the third, that was a rebuke for him. Do you let your people rebuke you? Do you let the prophets rebuke you? Do you have any Nathans in your life, David? You don't hear them talk about that. So anytime a a, a example or this so-called prophetic or kingdom principle is being applied that's one-sided or incremental and you don't take all of the scriptures and you don't eat the whole roll, it's cultish and it's it's one-dimensional and it's set up to support a demonic system, a system of control. Yeah, most
0: definitely. And listen, y'all, that's how you mentally become damaged. Cause now you see everybody from that lens and you attract yeah. people from that lens. Now when you look at relationships, you look at relationships, especially if you're single and trying to pers- uh, be pursued, when somebody pursues you, you look at that relationship as a place of loyalty. So that's how we got toxic profits and toxic relationships. Ooh. Being toxicated with toxic words because their natural and their spiritual have matched together. Right? Because I didn't get healed here with leaders. Um and now I brought it into my marriage. And because I brought it into my marriage, now the toxicity of my loyalty is based upon how I minister to people. Huh. So if I come, if I'm a prophet or I'm a prophet with counseling aspect, guess where I perform from. I, it, I give toxic wisdom. Well, I know he beat you, but you know, the, the Bible says, you know, you're supposed to honor your husband. Are you honoring him? Mm. Yeah, I am, but if he's not loving me like Christ loved the church, it's kind of hard to honor. Whoa. And so, uh, so a lot of times we're, we're using things and that's why we see a lot of women um, in that culture thing like you were talking about. Because here's the thing,
1: at least it's, they see it as a safety place. Mm. At least, it's safe. The they at least you, you have my best interest at
0: heart. Right, right. And, and here's the thing, at least I know if I do,
1: he say I ain't got to make no choices. I'm safe. I'm the just said something very powerful. He said it can be hard to recover from the damage when you don't know Jesus and the word. Baby, can I help you? It's hard to recover with Jesus and the word. Mm-hmm. I, Drigger, you said something real powerful earlier. You said, when this is all you hear and all you know, that's the only thing you follow. Mm-hmm. So until recent years, I only knew submission by way of abuse. Mm I intentionally or I won't say intentionally, but I voluntarily subjected myself to abusive leaders or an abusive leader because I had to I had to make sure I proved I was submissive. That was the only way I, I, I could show the church, you know, or show leadership that I was a true daughter is if I submitted and I allowed you to abuse me and stay quiet about it uh-huh. and still flowed under the anointing uh-huh. and still released and still uh, was obedient and consistent. And so when you come from under that, or when you even once you break from it, you are so traumatized mm-hmm. until you don't know how to receive a pure-hearted leader. Right, and we mm-hmm. call it—I'm sorry—we call that post-traumatic
0: church syndrome.
1: You did say there's a name for that. Can you elaborate on that? Mm-hmm. For the Post, the so just like it's PTSD, like mm-hmm.
0: right? Post-traumatic stress syndrome. There is no. It's PTC. Uh, post-traumatic church syndrome so the difference between the two is one is based up of natural and spiritual components and the other one is just natural experience and so when your natural mm -hmm, (laughs) post-traumatic church syndrome and so when your natural is damaged when your spirit is damaged it automatically transfers to your natural so those who have uh, experienced post-traumatic church syndrome, do me a favor. Those who've experienced it, check your relationships in the natural. Because you'll find yourself being in a place of being in a abusive relationship to show your loyalty towards that person. Your choices towards people... Toward situations, even when it comes to bosses on your job, you will suggest yourself to their abuse to show your loyalty, because mm-hmm. that's what the church has taught you. You've literally taken those spiritual toxicities and brought them back into your relationships. <laughs> and you have, to, Cam, don't, don't do it. It's barrel for me. It's barrel. All don't mind, Jake, though. I can't. <laughs> and, and because you didn't heal from your post traumatic church syndromes. You didn't heal. That's why you have a cult mentality. That's why you find yourself pursuing relationships no matter if they're toxic or not. That's why you find yourself trying to cling to somebody or get affirmations from people, right? That's why you're trying to do that, because guess what? That's what that post-traumatic church syndrome says you have to do in order to have this obligation of identity. So post-traumatic church syndrome says your identity is only found in toxic situations, natural and spiritual.
1: And if you don't have it, then you ain't got no identity. Yeah. Well, you don't, it's just like being in an abusive relationship. When you become so used to that, it's almost like you unknowingly are attracted to abusive people. And if you don't abuse me, then you don't love me. I found myself um being connected to leaders who were a little more soft spoken. Um, they were more accessible. They were just like loving dads and fathers. They didn't require all the stuff that others did. They did not abuse. They did not traumatize me. And I got mad at them. I was like, Ugh, you must not care about my, my, my progressiveness. Cause you, you need to be rebuking me. I know I got a nasty attitude. You need to deal with this. So you're going to release me in your poor like this, huh? Really? That means you're a weak leader. <laughs> right. Not realizing,
0: right? Going back to what love is. Yeah. Love covers a multitude. I love you back to a place of happiness. I don't keep rebuking you because you already know what that feels like. What you don't know what feels like is to be loved and healthy. Face. So we got seven minutes y'all and we want to make sure that we are asking and answering any questions that you have. Y'all better come on with these comments make sure you like, share and subscribe Jesus Plus Therapy Sis this will be a special episode on our podcast as well so it'll be on our audio as well and you'll be able to have it um, any, any questions that you have and so I'm so grateful for you Melissa being open and willing to create this conversation one and then to being open enough to experience, to share your experience in this space. Um, I've known you for at least over, oh my gosh, 12 years. I can't believe it. Wow! So I've known you for that long. And I know that this can be definitely a space that we need to have more of. And I'm definitely uh, assured that. And I think um, what I love about you is when I brought it to your attention, I was like, Melissa, you need to go to therapy. You was like, girl, I got Jesus, right? And the Holy Ghost, right? I, <laughs> I got Jesus and the Holy Ghost, and that's good, right? And I tell people, yes, bring him, bring all of, bring the Trinity with you because you still need this. Because it is something that is going to inspire. And, and I don't think we realize how our natural and our spiritual, if one is jacked up, the other one gonna be jacked up, right? And so because you've had these toxic experiences, guess what? I shut down when people want a genuine relationship with me. Cause mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking, so what you want out of me? Mm-hmm. 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 So you pulling on me. I feel you pulling on me. So now I got a whole attitude because guess what? I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for, as my client would say, the ball to drop. Woo, woo, woo When is the right ball now. gonna drop? When, when, when I got to put my guards up? Is it now? Is it later? What you gonna do? What you coming You're with? Hurt me. You're good enough for me. What you? So now I got all these unrealistic expectations of people that I shouldn't have expectations for anyway because they should be totally genuine, right? I can't even give people a clean slate because. I ain't gave myself a clean
1: slate. Whoa,
0: whoa! So we asking for grace, but we ain't even gave ourselves grace or forgiveness. Mm. But we forgiving the toxic leaders, but not ourselves.
1: Um. There's two thoughts lingering in my head. One of them is kind of escaping me, but the other is how another thing that makes your gifts and operating in your gifts complicated or so complicated is erroneous placement. Uh, when I say erroneous placement, I mean, as it relates to the seven mountains. And so when you were talking, I was thinking about the moment that I realized you were a prophetic therapist. And because the church does not always have the lingo or the the proper label, for you, then they also don't have the proper placement for you, which means they don't have the proper training for you because they don't know where you're supposed to be. And people like us who have this mixed breed of gifts, they don't know what to do with us because we feel like, and we look like aliens to them. It's like, our shape looks like a particular thing, but there's a little arm that's hanging off. Or there's, you know, you're not completely a triangle. (laughs) You're not completely a circle. You got this little wing that's sitting on here. It it just won't slip through smoothly. Mm -hmm. You really seem like I've almost diagnosed you perfectly. You're a prophet, I know you're a prophet, but you won't fit. That's because you're trying to jab them into the church mountain. Uh-huh. They could be a marketplace profit. Uh-huh. They could be a, a education system profit. They uh-huh. could be a governmental profit. But because we don't have enough uh, awareness, And information Mm -hmm. and downloads from heaven, and because most leaders are not open uh, to avail themselves in prayer and to really, really hear the specificity of your call, they end up making your process darker and more complicated Mm -hmm. than it has to be. Because you've given me a GPS system that's led me close to where I have to go, but you done ran me off a dirt road. Now I got nails in my tires. I'm running down. I'm running in the trees. I'm having all of these rocky. I got this rocky travel that's not a smooth process because you have veered me off the wrong way. And so that's another thing that, that makes our calling, uh, dark or you have to deal with the dark side of your call because you're erroneously placed. Uh, you're erroneously birthed out. You're, you're birthed, but you are, um, it's a, it's a, a breached birth. You, mm. you pushed me, but you done pushed me upside down. Mm-hmm. You don't release me, but you don't release me in the wrong season. You don't release me in the pulpit, and I'm supposed to be uh, uh, talking to kids in the education system. You don't release me to, to to preach and to prophesy, but I really supposed to be out in the in the trenches dealing with women, battle women in the community. But you ready to put a mic in my hand because that's all you know. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: and that's the affirm. That's the only way I can I can affirm you and confirm you, right? Um, and we use that. So yeah, we had two meetings and I, this is a great conversation. So I'm glad that you all are joining us seeing these comments. Um, <laughs> somebody said they want the, the house, the cars and the money. But yeah, they don't want the call, right? And so there is a dark side to the call. And so Melissa, what are some things we want to leave the audience with as we um, sound off?
1: I I think the best thing anybody can do is agreeing with the call of God on your life. First of all, Mm -hmm. pursuing the voice of God, the heart of God and the word of God. He will never leave you astray. As a midwife, my, my instruction is always going to be allow your gift to be birthed through the vein of prayer. Prayer will never ever lead you wrong. And so while you're in that in that season, in that process of carrying, developing, and incubating your guilt, the Lord is gonna make it clear to you. You don't ever have to worry about being out of order with prayer. You don't ever have to worry about I'm going too fast or I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do when it relates to prayer and the word of God. And so as that thing is being birthed, as it's being developed, sooner or later it's going to become too big for the womb. Sooner or later the the, the head is going to start to crown. And so when it happens, don't, don't push back up Don't lock up and don't hinder what God is birthing out of you based on something that a man says or does not say as it relates to your life. Obey, release what God has told you to release, and he's going to make it painfully clear. Because, again, once that thing starts coming forth, you have to really get to a place that you're just denying the call before you just say, well, he hasn't spoke to me. Well, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Yes you do. You've heard him clearly and it is God and he has made it. Once you go through the contractions of birth and that thing, you know what it is. You're just waiting on a man to validate you. You're just waiting on somebody in the earth realm to release you to do what you know you're called to do. Obey God and He, as the old uh, the, the woman of God, Nancy Lasseter, and he will and he will go with you. <laughs> That's good. That's good.
0: So my, my, my takeaway of my, my last thing is y'all it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to be anointed appointed because there is a dark side to this, uh, this call and that will translate in all facets of your, of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think we want to minimize the call to the church but you operate in a call 24 seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year, whether you in a natural relationship or whether you in a spiritual relationship, go to therapy. Like Cam said, go please. Right. And find you someone who understands your prophetic. If you're a prophet, Listen, everybody, I, listen, my colleagues, if I give my colleagues a prophetic person case of being it, they're going to be like, did, did, did you did you get them schizophrenia? They're a chicken in hospital. Listen, you need someone who may, they may not be prophetic, but understand the anointing and the call of the prophet that they can tell you, hey, you depressed right? Because that's what's going to come with this. There's some suicidal ideation because when you don't understand the enemy and when you don't get those confirmations and when you feel like prayer is not working, because that's where Elijah, we have the best prophet. Elijah, I use him all the time. Baby, he is messing, like he meets all the criterias in the DSM. <laughs> 5 tr baby, because it's a new one. He needs all the qualifications to get so in a crazy house, right? To be in a white jacket. But that's why you need someone who is saved, who's anointed, and who's able to get you to a place where it's natural. And, it, and here's the thing. When somebody is poured into your natural, your spirit is refreshed. And so I want to say this. Proverbs 18, no, Proverbs 11 and 28 says, those who refresh others shall be refreshed. So if you're refreshing somebody and you're not getting refreshed, you out of obedience. We love y'all. Thank y'all so much. Okay, Melissa says
1: she got one more thing. Come on, Melissa. Oh, um, dog, I think I forgot it just that quick. Shows. Sure. Oh, I know what it is. It's on the tip of my, every time I say I got it, I forget it. Um, I know, tribe. Find your tribe. If you stay around stuck, dry, unprophetic, non-kingdom people, it's always gonna feel like you crazy. It's always gonna feel like you over the top. It's always gonna feel like you're not doing or you're not in the place that you're supposed to be. Find your tribe. It's easier now than it's ever been before. It was hard for us when we were coming up because it was hard, you know, to, to connect with people. We didn't have the technology that we have now. We didn't have the prophetic hubs. Uh, we didn't have as many people really operating in the gift as we do now. There's books, there's classes, there is so, so much. We don't have an excuse. Find your tribe and and connect with people with like-minded hearts and spirits who are hungry after God, not these people that's bound in religion or what have you that's keeping you So That's gonna help you a whole, whole lot. Yes, you want
0: relationship, not religion. Y'all have a good night. Thank y'all for watching Jesus Coast Therapist. Thank you, sis, for being on the podcast. Appreciate you for having me. me.